Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. I am currently a medical doctor in Lake Placid, New York. As I mentioned last week, I usually do my intros and outros. I usually record them the night before an episode is released so I can re-listen to the episode and remind myself how awesome it was. I am unable to do that currently because I am in Lake Placid. I am the chief medical officer with Team Canada at the World University. University Winter Games. These are university-level athletes, and this is the largest multi-sport Winter Games next to the Winter Olympics. I am obviously not in my home studio, so I pre-recorded these intros and outros in December 2021. So happy 2023 to you all from the past. It's now 2023, and I am in Lake Placid without my home studio, obviously. <laughs> As I mentioned last week, I was also the chief medical officer back in 2021. Those games were supposed to be in Lucerne, Switzerland. They were canceled at the very last minute because of COVID. I 100% agree with the decision to cancel, but it still was pretty sad, obviously for myself, but even more so for the athletes involved. So, you know, I wound up sitting at home wondering what to do with myself. I was supposed to be doing doctoring things, and this podcast came to fruition. Hooray! All right, so my guest this week is Rebecca. Becca Durrance Hine. Now, okay, do you ever meet someone for the first time and you go, I feel like we've known each other for a long time and I could talk to you forever? I feel like that about a lot of people, <laughs> but especially Rebecca. Oh my gosh, I could have talked to her forever. She has an incredible story of being a teacher and now transitioning into a beautiful career as an actor. She also was diagnosed with breast cancer at a very young age. Reminder to everyone out there. Oh my goodness, you can be diagnosed with anything under the sun very early on in life when you never expect it. And that happened to Rebecca. And she has an incredible story about her time and with the disease. And then now moving into a career in acting and really embracing what your heart ugh, truly desires in this precious, beautiful life of ours. Please enjoy the incredible, man, I could have talked to you for hours, Rebecca. Rebecca Durrance Hine. How did you get into this crazy business? Crazy business. So um, the first time around uh, was, I mean, I can't even really remember the first time I had the conscious thought that I wanted to act. I think it was one of those things that I was actually speaking to my one of, a friend of the family from when I was a, a kid, little kid, um, recently, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I remember when you know you came up to me and you said I'm Rebecca and I'm going to be an actor," <laughs> and like I don't even remember that, but that you know, so I would have been really, really young, and um, I like my favorite thing when I was a kid. My mom was a big fan of just like tossing us outside and letting us just like play around in the yard, and we backed onto a woods. So and in those days. They, did in, they didn't think in twice about, you know, letting us go off into the woods by ourselves. Um, but yeah, so I, we my favorite thing to do was just like make up imaginary games that were like worlds, you know, um, and play make-believe and make up 
shows and plays and it was really a ploy to like get us allow us to stay longer at my friends houses because my mom would come to get us and we'd be like wait you have to see our show we made a play you have to see it you have to stay we have to stay um so my mom eventually noticed this and kind of got me into like youth community theater and summer drama camps and stuff like that and um when I was in middle school grade seven and eight I went to a, a international business and technology program um so basically the polar opposite of the arts and um I did it because a bunch of my friends were doing it and it just sounded interesting and then the program continued in in high school and one day we were all as a part of class filling out the the form and our applications for this program for grade nine and I just remember having this like very clear moment of this voice in my head just said like you don't want to do this and I just like closed the, the form and that was it. I went home and told my mom that I wanted to go to the arts high school instead for drama. And um, that's when I really got serious about acting and actually thinking about it as a future. Um, so then sort of a similar thing happened university. I applied to like science programs. I thought I maybe wanted to be a vet. Um, and I we, you get three choices when you uh, for the, the the fee you get three applications and so I had applied to two science programs and I was like, well I have a third one I'll just apply to a theater program why not, and I got into all of them and really realized that the science was a safe choice and I was only picking it because it felt safe but what I really wanted to do is theater so I ended up in the we were just acting in general so yeah I ended up in the theater program. And did, did you know, plays and stuff and, and got an agent, went on a couple of auditions. But I was very, um, I'm a recovering people pleaser, as I like to say, which is uh, <laughs> difficult uh, in, in a business like this one. Um, it can be. And I, I took things very personally. I had, you know, lots of self-confidence issues, as many of us do, especially at that age when you're kind of figuring out who you are. And um, when I graduated, you know, sort of within six months, I had convinced myself that acting could not be my career, that that was not a good, like a smart choice. Um, and that, you know, so I should probably get a, a real job. So I ended up working at a bank for a few years. And then I kind of like, maxed out there I would have had to do mutual fund courses and all of that stuff and me and math is just not a good partnership um so I really didn't want to do that so I decided to go to teacher's college because that had sort of always been on my mind as a possibility um pretty much my entire family is teachers so that was a pretty obvious choice um so yeah I went to teacher's college and I started working and you know acting was always there in the back of my mind it was just like poking me you know poke 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 um never really left me alone and I would just told myself you know it'll it'll I can always go back to it later it'll always be there uh and then when I was 28 uh so five years ago it'll be five years in July I was diagnosed with breast cancer and um that was a shock <laughs> and completely, yeah, unexpected, of course. And through the course of, you know, going through all of that, I, I did a lot of, 
I took a very integrative route to my healing. So I did some of the conventional stuff, surgery and, you know, chemo and, and hormone drugs and things like that. But I also did pretty much everything you can think of from the alternative world to complement and supplement that and then lots of lifestyle changes and things like that. So I started learning more about the mind-body connection and um, started digging into some not just physical healing but emotional healing as well and, you know, started to discover a lot of stuff um, about my insecurities and my lack of confidence and how that probably affected, definitely affected my choice to step away from acting and do something, you know, quote unquote, real job, you know. Um, and I also, of course, we all know we're, we're not here forever, you know, but when we're young, it's really hard to imagine that one day we won't be here. Um, and I realized that while I knew that acting would always be there, I now knew that I might not always be here to pursue it. So I pretty quickly decided that, you know, I have to start doing the things I want to do now. And because part of the reason why I also stepped away from acting was for other people. Like I mentioned, I was was a people pleaser and I'm still working on that now, of course, but um, I realized I was kind of stepping away for other people. Um, the person I was with at the time was a very, like, traditionally minded person and had, you know, we'd run into issues before in show, like, if I had to kiss someone in a show or something like that, it was like a massive blowout. And I, and, you know, my mom was kind of worried about me. She was very supportive and wanted me to do it if I wanted to, but... Um, I was worried about her worrying, you know, or I felt bad about her worrying about me and job security and all of that. So these kind of realizations started to happen as a result of cancer and me doing all of that exploration. And um, yeah, I realized that I needed to start living my life for me and doing the things that I yeah, want to do and feel that need to do now. Because now I realize if you have something in your brain that's poking you and poking you and poking you and won't let go, like that is something that you're supposed to be doing. There's a reason that you have those dreams and you have those that that need. Um, so yeah, so I got back into both like theater, but also then um, uh, got an agent for film and TV and started taking film acting classes and uh, all that good stuff. So yeah, and I just have been haven't looked back. It's been it's been great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a lot there. Story. <laughs> but it's it, what an incredible story and obviously incredible meaning like the positive and the the negative like yeah. shock to the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy crow. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. And I like so I'm I'm a medical doctor so like we could go into all the oh, lovely yeah. <laughs> medical things you had to go into but no. <laughs> I want to know more about the mental health and the the emotional health work that you did when you were going through your cancer mm-hmm. epic journey totally. that brought you now here. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Um so it was really difficult to know at first how I came through it as well as I did mentally. I mean, I had my days and my weeks for sure. But overall, I felt like I had come through it better than average mentally and emotionally. And I really wasn't sure at first how I had done that. Um, and so I, I, I'm i a writer as well. And I started writing a blog to share 
my experience, because I, because I came through it so well, I thought maybe other people, maybe there's something in here other people could um, find value in or help in. Um, but I also wanted to figure out how I had done that. And writing has always been very therapeutic for me, very, you know, supportive of my mental and emotional health. It's sort of how I express myself the best, I feel. Um, so, yeah, I started writing and totally did a lot of stuff, like, come up and come out. Um, and I think, like, the 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 main thing that I started noticing was that I was just a lot more grateful for stuff. Um, I, I remember like very clearly going, driving up. I live in Hamilton and um, we have the mountain as we call it. It's really just the Niagara escarpment, but I was going up. There's some really lovely um, passes up the mountain that are, you know, it's covered in trees and you can look out over the whole city and um it was just a gorgeous day and the trees were so green and I just was overcome by this feeling of gratitude that I was still alive and like healthy enough to be able to drive myself to my appointments and to be here to just like appreciate this moment. And that was really my first experience with conscious gratitude. And I started trying to find more and more things to be grateful for in my experience. And as I always say, what you focus on grows. And so the more and more I focused on gratitude, the more and more positive started revealing themselves to me. And the more positives I found, the easier it was to let go of the anger and the resentment and the bitterness at having been diagnosed. Um, even the fear, because if I could find something good in cancer, then like, doesn't matter what life throws at me, right? Even if, you know, even if it's cancer again down the line, like, I'll be able to find those positives again. So, it was really that that sort of kick-started um, the, yeah, the positive growth. Um, and that is, is, that's one of the main things that got me through mentally and emotionally was, yeah, finding all of those positives. And some days it feels impossible, for sure. Um, but, you know, I always like to say, you know, you can visit those dark places, but you just don't want to live there. Like, it's totally normal to get into those like dark head spaces where you're thinking about your mortality and how long you're going to be here and like all of the fears and all the anxieties, but you don't, yeah, you don't want to live there all the time. So doing as much as you can to pull yourself out. And for me that, yeah, really was gratitude. Um, and just continually coming back to the things big and small, like it could be tiny, teeny tiny. Like I'm so glad the sun is out today. Um, or, you know, I was able to get out of bed on my own today. That's great. I feel, you know, I feel good enough to do that. So, you know, just little things, but also, yeah, the really big things too. And um, yeah, so that I think that was one of the, the biggest things that really got me through mentally and emotionally. And, um, and afterwards, they just kept coming and coming. Like I keep track of them now. I think I have like 70 something. I just call them like lessons cancer taught me. And it's just like all of the really un wonderfully unexpected positive gifts that like came along with the the horribleness of of cancer and I think that's really what like keeps me going too now is just like you know more is coming more positive is coming all the time and that's really great and and really wonderful yeah 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to kind of relate this. And I know this is a terrible comparison, <laughs> cancer to acting, but I think it's the, the mindset. And I've talked about yeah, this yeah, yeah. before with other people about, you know, having real life experiences as awful as they are can benefit your acting career because you have things to pull from totally as opposed to just making it all up yeah but not only that but you have now the tools like you were saying to bring yourself into a dark place that we need to do for a lot of characters a Mm -hmm. lot of the time Mm -hmm. but like exactly what you're saying (laughs) you have the capability to now pull yourself out of that and recognize you know the director has yelled cut Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're not in that anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. It's so true. So true. I, it's really funny because I was just saying that exact thing to someone else a couple of days ago um, that, yeah, it, it informs us emotionally, all the things we go through, and it makes it that much easier to empathize with the characters that we get given, um, you know, the more life experiences you have, I find the easier it is to relate to other people. And that's like, definitely, definitely true of acting too, and characters. And also like, going through that, because I took an integrative route, I, I really had to trust myself and the decisions that I was making. And I really had to rely on my gut and my instinct to tell me when something was right or wrong, the right or wrong thing to do. And It just helped me develop so much confidence in myself and so much faith in my gut and my intuition Um, because that was something that huge that was missing the first time around when I was in my early 20s and I called it quits with like out even trying really. Um, I just automatically assumed I couldn't do it and I got through something like insanely difficult that I never thought I would have to go through or even if I thought about it you know never thought I would get through it um but I did so like if I can do that then like I can do anything right so it's like it's given me so much confidence it really has a friend asked me one time he's like how like how are you so confident um because he was struggling a little he's an actor as well and he was struggling a little with it because he was also coming back to it after a long time off and um I just looked at him and I said, well, I went through cancer, so <laughs> I don't I don't recommend it for you, <laughs> but, like, that's what I did. <laughs> I remember, and I, again, I, I am in no way, like, saying that we have similar life experiences oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. any way, shape, or form, but I remember talking to my therapist about... So my mom passed away from cancer eight oh, years ago sorry. when I was in my final, thank you, when I was in my final year of medical school. Mm. And I remember, so this sounds so stupid even just saying it out loud. I remember telling my therapist that I was feeling like if it wasn't for my mom dying, I don't know if I'd be good at acting or if I, I don't know what would have happened. What would have like, happened? Not like what would have happened. It's yeah. not like I'm saying, thank God my no, mom died. No, no, exactly. But, and, and she was just like, no, Janet, what you're talking about is like life. Life. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. It's what happens. Right. Yeah. And you use deal it. with it. Yeah, use it. Exactly. Because what else are you going to do with it? Like sit and feel awful and let it like, you know, ruin your life? No, like you have yeah. to, you have to keep going. That's the only choice. Yeah. The only choice is yeah. to keep 
going. And uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and I, it's so funny. I feel the same. I always say now, like, I wouldn't take back cancer if I could because I don't, yeah, I don't know where I would be without it. I wouldn't be acting. I wouldn't be the person that I am. Um, yeah, like, my life would just look completely different without it. Um, yes. Which is a really weird thing to say that, like, mm-hmm. well, I feel grateful to cancer. What? Like, I feel, and I feel not grateful to cancer, not grateful I had it, but I'm grateful for the experience that it yeah. initiated, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird kind it's of weird. mind melt. It it's is. weird. Yeah. It is. But I think, but I think also, like, putting that on cancer or any life trauma it takes power away from oh. it right yeah 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 just exactly. like i bet you weren't expecting me weren't to say that about that. you cancer yeah. yes exactly <laughs> it does it takes and that's the whole the this the same thing with that that was why i think the gratitude and the lessons and focus focusing on the positives and the silver linings like that's why it helped so much because it did mm. it took the power away from cancer and gave it back to me um and that's just such a helpless feeling to find yourself in when you first get diagnosed so yeah that was just and that's what it is yeah it takes its power away yeah you didn't mm-hmm. didn't think that <laughs> this was going to happen did you <laughs> <laughs> Take me back to um, the thought process for wanting to go into a more kind of like conventional career path, yeah. the safe route. Was there pressure from anyone? Um, like f- a lot of people feel pressure from parents or mm-hmm. just from society mm-hmm. or just from like the gl- the first world country yeah. we live in. Yeah. Where did you feel that pressure? Was it just pressure built within you? Yeah. So um, I think it, it mostly had to do with me um, when so m- my dad passed away from cancer when I was eleven and oh God yeah <laughs> and my reaction to that was I'm going to do everything I can to make life as easy as possible for the people around me mm. I'm not gonna and that's mm. when I started being a people pleaser because when I was a kid I was a spitfire like I did not care what anyone thought of me, I told you what I thought, and, like, that was it. But when my dad passed away, there's a very, very clear difference in who I was before and after, and I got very quiet. I downplayed myself and my abilities. Um, I didn't like to speak up. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to... And, and if that started out with my family and, and coming from a place of love and wanting to make it easier for my mom. But then, of course, that just ends up... You end up becoming that. That just ends up being your default mode. And so that spread into every area of my life with my friends, at school, eventually in relationships. And... I just, yeah, I just kind of like sh- shrunk. I just diminished myself. And acting is not a place where you want to diminish at all. Like you really just have to bust yourself open and let it all out. And that was not my modus operandi up until that point. And I, I, I really just didn't want anyone else to leave me. That was it too, right? Even though my, you know, my dad didn't choose to leave me, but. Um, there was just that your brain is trying to protect you and trying to think of all the things it can do to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. So yeah, I just turned into this like people pleasing person who did everything for everyone else and literally nothing for herself. And 
so as I said, my mom was like super supportive. Um, she, she always said, you know, like do what you want to do, but I could always tell there was that like hesitation and worry on, on her end. Um, I could, I could sense that sort of energy coming off of her. So I knew that she was going to feel better if I chose something else. And again, this was not something I like sat down and said to myself, okay, mom's going to be better if you choose something else. It's just who I had become. And so it just subliminally happened. But what I told myself was, um, this was like, and then again, like I said, the, the guy I was with at the time, didn't want him, knew, knew he didn't like that I was acting, knew that he didn't. We'd had issues before with when I had to have a relationship on stage with somebody else. So again, didn't want him to leave me, didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to make things difficult for us. So, okay, I better, you know, choose something that's more traditional and more stable and more regular. Um, so yeah, the, the, those were the subliminal messages going on. But my actual conscious thought process, I was taking, a film class at, um, with Lewis Bomander, actually, like, this is like 12 years ago, this is 2010, and it was my first film acting class, because really mostly I had just done theater up until that point, and, um, I was struggling a bit, because it's a tough transition from theater to film, um, and I already, yeah, had all the confidence issues in the world, all of the insecurities, already was trying to, like, you know, downplay myself and my abilities and not have that much faith or confidence in myself, and so, yeah, it wasn't going as well as I wanted it to go, and I kind of just said to myself, I don't like film. Instead of being like, okay, why isn't this working? What could you, you know, instead of looking inward, um, I just, it was easier to just say, I don't like film. I don't like it. It's not for me. And then the next thought was, okay, well, there's even less money in, there's a, or there's a lot less money in theater than there is in film. So that's never going to work. That's never going to be a career. Never even tried, by the way. So how did I know? But that, you know, and I was just coming up with all the excuses. So if I, yeah, I don't like film. So that means I'm going to do theater, but there's not any money in theater. So I can't do that. So that means I'm going to have to get another job. And that was sort of the very easy, in my mind at that time, logical leapfrog that I made from, yeah, I want to do this when I graduated to like literally less than a year later being like, I'm done. I'm working at a bank. Um, so yeah, that was the that was the that was the conscious thought process. But really, what was informing that was all of this, you know, the unconscious going on under the surface about yeah, people pleasing and all that pressure. So it really was. I was putting all that pressure on on myself to like be the perfect version of what I thought other people wanted me to be. Um, and again, this whole realization of that, all that unconscious stuff, that all came about as, yeah, a result of, you know, me just changing fundamentally as a person after cancer. So finding my voice, finding my confidence, finding, you know, who I meant to be this whole time, who I want to be, um, that all then enabled me. It gave It's what gave me the confidence to say, I'm doing it anyway. Like, maybe it won't work out, but if I don't know, if I never try, getting to the end of my life, potentially much sooner than I thought, was a way scarier thought than just putting myself out there and trying. Because, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to get rejected a lot. But 
you know, that doesn't have anything to do with like who you are as a person. There's so many factors that go into casting. Because that was something else that I used as an excuse too. I was like, I am not a confident, secure enough person to deal with the amount of rejection that's going to happen. I just assumed that that was going to happen, you know, which it does. But I also assumed that that rejection was going to be about me, which it, it's never about you personally. It's just, oh, you didn't fit physically or you're, you don't live in the right location. We'd have to pay for you to, you know, get here. And this person does and whatever. Like, there, who knows? There's so many factors that go into it. And very rarely is it ever about, like, who you are as a person. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so much of it is, like you were saying before, is your brain's ability to protect itself mm -hmm. and, and to protect you, right, from bad things happening, happening. whether it be mm -hmm. like the saber-toothed tiger that's coming to attack your cave, like yeah. back in the caveman yeah, in the day. days, right? We, we haven't evolved that's far it. enough for our brains to not be like, protect, protect, protect. protect. Yeah, can't tell the difference between like, no. yeah, something trying to eat you and just like anxieties and, and fears, general yeah. fears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times it takes, and again, thank you, cancer, or thank, thank you, you trauma, <laughs> yeah. well, to be like, okay, like you were saying, what happens yeah. if I step out of my cave yes. and confront this? Yeah. Will I get, wh what will happen? What will oh, happen? nothing? Oh, nothing. Oh, oh. great. Nothing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so often it's so much worse in our heads than yeah. it actually ends up being in reality, right? And again, yeah, your brain's yeah. trying to, pr to protect you, to prepare you for the worst. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you end up talking yourself out of, like, really wonderful opportunities um, mm -hmm. and, you know, potentially your dream life just because you're too afraid to, yeah, step out, step out yeah. the cave. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a really great quote and it's, I think it's from Hamlet and I don't know the actual quote, but it was, nothing is ever as good as you think it'll be mm -hmm. or as bad as you think it'll be. That's it. And it's not about like, it's yeah, it's not about like, there are bad, horrible things that yeah. can happen that are awful. But it's more about like, yeah, like the little everyday the things. The little everyday things. Yeah. They're never as bad or as never. good as we think. Yeah. And yeah. the and the thing about the future being unknown, the really great thing about it being unknown is that you don't know what's going to happen. So something amazing, it's equally as likely that something amazing is going to happen as something less amazing than that. And I think we always assume that it's going to be the worst outcome. Always. And, uh, but in my experience, the majority of the time, yeah, it's, it's never as bad as that. Maybe it's not perfect, because nothing's perfect, but rarely has... The result, yeah, been as bad as I was afraid it was going to be. And it's equally as likely that, yeah. Like, I didn't think cancer was going to turn out this way for me. It's way better than I ever thought that, you know, the end result was going to be. I had no idea. But, of course, your mind goes to fear. And, yeah, this is way better. Wait, like, I never would have imagined that this is where I would be, you know, five years ago when mm -hmm. I was diagnosed. Yeah. So, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about, you know, getting back into acting or whatever it is that has been poking them in the back? Yeah. Um, I think first, yeah, like tune in to yourself, tune into your gut and your intuition and start building a relationship 
with it and with yourself um, because I mean, it'll serve you just in life in general. It'll serve you in helping to figure out what that thing is that's poking you. Um, but if it is acting, that's going to help you a ton. Like developing your own sense of um, your own ability to choose and choose in a way that makes you feel great. Um, that's key. That's key. Because that's all you're doing when you're becoming a character. You're making choices. Um, and I rely on my gut a lot when I'm, when I'm yeah, developing a character and deciding how I want to play it. Um, so that's the first thing. And then just going for it. Like, just do it. Like, don't let anything hold you back. And know that, you know, what is meant for you cannot pass you by. So, you know, like, go out there and get it. Because, as I said before, you never know how things are going to turn out. It could turn out way better than you're expecting. And likely it will. And I think if we're we're really afraid sometimes or a lot of times um you know that things aren't going to work out the way that we want them to but that doesn't mean but like that the way we want them to work out we may not even you know know of all of the potential possibilities the way we want it to work out um it could end up being like way better even than that um, which, like, for example, with cancer, right? Like, of course, I wanted to, at the end of it, be healthy and, and be here. Um, but I could have never imagined that it would be as, as I would be as good as I am. And I think this, we have to apply that same thinking to every part of our lives, including our career. Because um, if you're you're afraid of it not working out it's not going to work out because if you never try, it's not going to work out. Um, so just putting yourself out there and knowing that it's entirely possible and very likely that it's going to be even better than you can imagine because we can't imagine the places we've never been. Um, so just like get out there and start exploring and see, just see what's out there. You can always go back to where you were before. There's no saying, I think we forget sometimes that if we decide to make a change or try something new, we forget that we can always go back to what we had before. If we decide, hey, you know what? I think I actually was happier there. This was a fun experiment, but that now feels like where I should be. That's fine. That's totally fine to do. And I think sometimes we forget that that is an option. Um, so yeah, like don't let the fear of the future and what might happen hold you back um, because you don't know. You have no way to know. So just get out there and try. And yeah. Love that. Yeah. Do you, do you have any uh, favorite on set, on stage class stories? Any crazy memorable stories? Oh, um, so the, <laughs> the first, um, like major production that I did at my university, there was lots of like student productions that happened and, um, uh, like smaller groups that would put on shows, but like the big productions that were like put on by the department. Um, the first one that I was in, 
and it was really my first time on a professional stage. We had a really great stage in high school because it was an art school. But yeah, my first time in like a professional public theater. Um, the first scene I like walk, it's a show called Big Love. Doesn't have anything to do with polygamy, like the TV show. Does. Oh. <laughs> but it just happens to everyone always assumes it just happens to have the same name. I one hundred percent did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we it's, we I, but the first scene as I walk out um, from the vom onto stage and there's a, a bathtub full of water and I get into the bathtub and uh, they would fill it up with hot water and then. Over the 45 minutes before the show would start, it would cool down and it would, you know, be fine. And our dress rehearsal, we would always invite, you could buy tickets to come and see the dress rehearsal, discounted tickets. So we had like a full audience and I walked out onto stage. And again, this was my people pleasing, like not wanting to derail the show. I got into the tub and it was like boiling hot water still like so hot and I didn't know what to do so I just stayed in it because I didn't want to derail things instead of like getting out and just sitting on the edge or like there were so many things I could have done instead of staying in the very hot water um and then my 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 um uh co- star came out and she I, I she was supposed to get into the tub behind me and I just went like as, as like subtly as I could was just like, do not, do not get in the tub. Um, so she didn't, she like stood behind me instead, but then I'm on stage the entire show. So I didn't get off the stage until intermission. And when I got back to the dress room, my legs were just like bright red. It was just like a beacon. And someone came like running in with like cold towels and started putting them on my legs. And they were like, your legs were just like shining on stage like a beacon the whole time. Like it was so clear to everyone that I had been, yeah, just like minorly burned by boiled this, alive boiled alive by this water we just fill out like an incident oh report god. and everything else. Oh, oh my god so you better believe it was cold water the rest of the time yeah. <laughs> after that but yeah that's oh probably the most god. like dramatic thing that has happened um yeah on stage yeah. <laughs> don't don't recommend Is... do not recommend no oh my god yeah it's <laughs> Is there anything that you are looking forward to this year coming up? Yes. Um, well, as we were talking about a little bit before, I'm doing my first major voiceover role pretty soon in um, the fiction sci- sci-fi fiction podcast Cascadia. And it's on all the major platforms. You can check that out. And um, yeah, it's so, so good. So good. I know. I listened to the whole so first season good. in one sitting. Yeah. Oh. So amazing. So I'm really, really excited because it's not just, um, you know, great to be working. It's also like something that I really like. I like really enjoyed mm. the first season. And so I'm like really excited as a fan just to like see what happens yes. next too. So that's really exciting to be a part of. Um, and then I'm also doing... Finally, post-COVID, um, my summer job is Outdoor Shakespeare was before COVID <gasps> came along. So we're finally able to do that again this year. And we're doing Midsummer Night's Dream, which is my favorite Shakespeare oh. show. So I, I think my mom took me to see Midsummer Night's Dream in High Park in Toronto when I was a kid. And I think that was 
one of the first times that I was like, oh, I want to do that. Um, and so it's been a dream of mine to like actually be in it. So I'm so excited that we're doing that. So yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing all summer. And I'm really, really super excited for that. It's a really wonderful company um, here in Hamilton called Tottering Biped Theater. Check them out. They do such cool stuff like all throughout the year. But one of the main things that is like really important to them is paying their artists a living salary because that doesn't happen a lot in theater, um, in like at least in. Uh, I mean, it's still professional theater, obviously, but in terms of like outdoor Shakespeare and stuff, that's something that attracts a lot of newly graduated people, and unfortunately, they mm. get taken a lot advantage of a lot. Yeah. yeah, the artistic director saw that happen with his students and was like. I don't want this to keep happening to local artists because they'll keep leaving and finding work elsewhere. Why would we want to encourage that? So, um, yeah, I, I think that it's really wonderful, the things. They do a lot of, like, social action type stuff, too, so it's really wonderful. Yeah, it's not straight Shakespeare. We do cool. we do some variations. So, yeah, I'm really oh, looking forward to that. That's Yay. awesome. Yeah. I do want to ask, I was just thinking back to what you were saying, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for other people who are people pleasers uh-huh. who want to become recovering people yes <laughs> um the, i think the first because though the um symptoms are similar for everybody the root causes are going to be different um so for me i've been able to trace it back to my dad passing and that's really what started me on that path of maintain the equilibrium for everyone so do some digging and figure out where it started for you um and that's going to give you some really helpful clues as to where the trauma is still living um and how you can start to work on those areas because you can't do anything to heal those parts of yourself until you discover what they are and if it's been a long time that you've been this way like it was for me they're buried they're like way down deep in there so yeah yeah you have to do some digging and find out where where those are um and also think about where you want to be like who you want to be instead um or not instead but but who you uh wanted to be this whole time that you didn't allow yourself to be um because that's going to give you something to look forward to in the future because for me i knew that my people pleasing was really affecting my self-confidence and um I really was sick, sick of being insecure and not confident in myself. And I knew it was affecting me in so many ways and even in my acting too. And uh, so, yeah, so I, knowing that I wanted to be a more confident person in the future and being able to to work towards that or have that goal in mind, um, it made doing the work a little easier because it's difficult to do that digging. It's hard. It's painful. Can be depending on you know what's what started you down that path. So yeah, look for the look for the catalyst where it began. Look for the 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 parts of yourself uh, that need healing. The 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 reasons why you started being a people pleaser. Um, 
and look for look forward to who you want to be afterwards and work towards that. And therapy, therapy really helps. <laughs> therapy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Therapy, writing, just like creative expression, just like starting to because being a people pleaser is all about constriction. It's all about like constraining yourself mm. to the boundaries that you think other people that other people actually are placing on you or that you place on yourself because you're afraid of what other people are thinking and feeling and so you need to just you need to break out of that and a great way to do that is yeah creative expression of any sort whether yeah it's writing or painting or dancing or screaming (laughs) whatever is gonna help you yeah just like break start breaking out of those those confines Mm, I love that. That's so helpful. That's so helpful. Super helpful. Even if you're not a people pleaser and you feel yourself holding back in like on stage on set. um, I've been doing some confidence specifically for actors, some confidence classes. And that's something Mm. I'm realizing as I'm going through the lessons is like that, that constriction has to go because you can't, Mm. you can't fully be, how it's it's kind of like what RuPaul says how can you love yourself or how can you love anybody else if you don't love yourself it's like how can you try to fully embody someone else if you don't even like fully embody yourself and who you are um, so like just like start doing that as much as possible and your acting will get better for sure for sure mm-hmm. yeah do you have any final words of wisdom this has been filled this with is, wisdom. Yeah, so much wisdom. That's, <laughs> so much man, wisdom. life experiences do that to you, too. Right? They fill you with wisdom. Um, <laughs> I think the, the, the biggest thing, if, if you are thinking about getting back into acting, don't beat yourself up for not doing it sooner. Don't regret or lament the time that you spent away, or even if you never tried, even if you you never even tried for the first time um yeah don't don't regret that time or or stew in it and steep in it and think about it just keep looking forward keep looking ahead because like I said before what is meant for you cannot pass you by so now if I think about it now if I hadn't waited those seven years to start acting my day job that like sustains me and allows me to act is substitute teaching. And if I hadn't gone to teacher's college and done that whole thing for that seven years, I would like, I don't know, I would be doing something else, I guess. But um, like substitute teaching tip, hot tip, substitute teaching fits really well with acting because it's really last minute, just like acting and auditions can be. Um, And it's very flexible and it pays well. So it's like a really, really great mix, those two together. So that's just a a hot life tip. It's (laughs) it's also kind of, not kind of, it is. It's performative. It is performative. It's 100% performative. Yes, 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 yes. I've said that before, actually. Before I went back into acting, I said, you know what? Being an actor has made me a better teacher. Like, being an actor Mm. first, because it gave me more confidence talking in front of people and all that stuff. It is. It is performative, 100%. So, yeah, I don't regret that. I mean, part of me at first did regret that seven years that I spent away. And then a friend of mine said that to me. He was like... You know what? I have lots of actor friends coming to me now, coming to me now, asking about teaching because they don't want to serve anymore, um, and they want to do something else as their day job. So you know what? Maybe you did it in the right order, and 
Yeah, just like you, you never know how it's going to turn out. So like, don't worry about what what has already happened. You can't change what's already happened. Don't worry about that. Don't look back. Just look forward. Focus on where you want to go and go for it. Literally, the biggest thing: don't let anybody stop you, because including yourself. Because I can't remember who said it, but it's someone super famous. If you think you can't, you can't. If you think you can, you can. So just think that you can. Know that you can, because you can. You can. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Rebecca, for being my guest this week. I'll say it once, I'll say it twice, I'll say it again. I feel like I've known you forever. I love your story. I could have talked to you for hours. Thank you for sharing it with us. I still get, like, tingles and goosebumps whenever I hear it. Thank you, thank you for sharing it with everybody. I hope you will all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!